Good day, everybody. I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and a best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. The premise is simple. The podcast will provide you with insights for living and leading the authentic way so that you'll be better equipped to amplify your positive impact as a difference maker in any area in your life. We'll cover a variety of topics related to authenticity. We'll hear stories of how authentic leaders came to be who they are, and we will create a platform for you to submit questions that you would like us to address on all the different topics that we talk about here and in my books. What's uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley. I am super excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are both so passionate about. So welcome, everybody. Welcome, Haley. How are you Hello. doing today? You're back to school this week. This week. Back to school after a lovely break. Um, I always find, you know, you and I were just talking about this, though. At January is hard. It is, I would say, one of, if not the hardest month of the year for me. And I don't know if you share that experience, too. But I find January, what? like, sorry, go ahead. What makes it hard for you? I mean, the hot, like, well, for one, uh, the holiday of the month is literally the first. And then there's nothing <laughs> for a long time. So uh, even thinking about my next break and, you know, I try, I do try to live my life, not just break to break to break. Cause I do love my job and I love my day to day and the work days and things, but you know, it's, it happens. Um, but the next break isn't until well in, in Ontario and Alberta, they have family day in middle of February. So that's a long time to go without much of a break. Uh, Cause following that, then you have uh, you know, Easter and then you have, May, um, May long weekend and then you have the summer so it, it does move quite fast after this point but I find January hard like it's it's dark out and um the the celebration and joy and light of all the Christmas celebrations is over and now you just sort of have long dark cold days and people don't tend to have money and interest in in partying or celebrating because they're they're recovering from from Christmas um, you know, there is a lot of hope at the beginning of the month, I think, but that sort of novelty of resolution tends to wear off by this point. And yeah, I don't know. That's how I'm feeling. Dad, how are you doing? Well, it's interesting. We had this discussion about what topic we would cover today. Yeah. And, you know, there, we went on, uh, there was two camps, right? One of, at, in part, we thought, well, it would be a good thing to do. A, it's a new year and that's a new start. And we can talk about resolutions or lack thereof. And how do we work with resolutions? Let's make it really positive. And on the other hand, I've been dealing with some darkness in my own life these days. I've been down and and I've been working with some of my own depression the last few days. And so I didn't want to start off on a negative path and a negative voice in the new year. But at the same time, this is about being real. So I would lean toward let's let's embrace the darkness. And I go back to Paul Simon, you know, hello, darkness, my old friend. And I I actually would like to spend some time today and maybe we can bring it into the new year, because I do think that we need rituals and new newness and 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 rituals for for new times. But at the same time, I think sometimes those rituals like New Year's and New Year's resolutions can raise expectations, Definitely. which can diminish one's well-being. And so I'd like to explore what darkness means and how do we get through the darkness in our life? I just haven't been able to feel the sunlight uh, these last few days. 
there hasn't really been much sunlight in the last few days, Dad. We also are, uh, you know, really, the this, there's not much sunlight at this time of year, literally. So I completely understand that too. That probably doesn't help. I'm looking out my window right now and it's been dark for probably an hour already and it's 5.49 in Ontario time. So that also doesn't help. And you wake up and it's dark and you come back from work and it's dark. And you <laughs> might, if you're lucky, get a tiny little sliver of, of light at lunch hour and you're able possibly to go outside, but also you don't want to go outside because it's minus a jillion degrees outside. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, what, a what, um, what is Well, you've your... just normalized things. Like <laughs> there's this expectation that we're always supposed to be up. Yeah. And I always say, having been, a, having been a person who has faced some depression in their life and having a propensity to getting depressed, I, I've always said, and this, by the way, is not a prescriptive podcast. No. We can't offer any kind of prescription. We can, it's descriptive, which means we're just going to share our experience with this because depression and darkness is such, has such a variety of reasons for surfacing so many variables that we can't possibly cover all that. But one of the things that I do know is that, that we have to come to a place of acceptance. At least this is what I've discovered for myself to bring kindness to myself. And you have just lifted my darkness a little bit by your response, because I'm thinking I should feel, you know, I work, I'm getting back to work. I've got projects coming up. I, I need to feel really positive about the new year, but I, I, I can't access that, but I can access it better when I start to say, well, it's understandable. The light isn't strong this time of yes. year. Yes. And, and, so it, it brings a sense of compassion to the darkness. And I think compassion on the darkness shines a little light on it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's understanding too that, and I, what I have noticed particularly with this year, just, and this is totally just anecdotally, um, working with students and, and you know, social media and, and all of those echo chambers that I'm exposed to, that it feels to that, I think what the last two years have done, these two years of incredible disruption uh, in all kinds of, in, in terms of what our sense of normalcy is, I think what it's done is it's sort of, I think for better and for worse, it's it's sort of taken away this, all right, come up with five goals that you have to accomplish in the coming year. You have to lose weight. You have to get more organized. You have to be a better parent. You have to be better at your job. You have to blah, 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 blah. Goes on and on and on. And it feels like that, I think because we've had potentially a couple years of just turmoil uh, and chaos, um, that that idea of goal setting that has to get done at the beginning of January, at the beginning of the year, it just seems that I think people are are more willing to make goals throughout the year or smaller goals that are within their their sphere of influence, within their within their ability to control. Um, it's a lot harder to think 365 days from now when the last two years have shown us that things can change on a weekly basis. It's a lot easier to think, okay, what can I accomplish today, right? Or what can I accomplish this week? That seems like a lot more kind and patient way to to work with ourselves, at least for me personally, um, that it's a lot easier to take it one day at a time because it's really hard to fathom 365 days from now. Like I think about like, you know, right like a year ago, 365 days ago from today, um, at least in Ontario, we were all online still. We had a brief stint where we were online and, and our, our province extended the, the Christmas break by a little bit and 
like COVID levels were at a very high level and, and we had kids who weren't really sure if they were going to ever come back in person. Uh, and that was just a year ago. So how can we expect to make a goal that is feasible and realistic, you know, one year from now? It's a good point. And I, so I think you're, you're bringing in a paradox mm-hmm. of living with darkness in our world. First of all, I, I have to realize that darkness passes. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I can't say that for everybody, but I know universally, pretty universally, there's never been a double night. There's all, the sun always comes up. So and it to does that extent, pass. We have a hundred percent success rate in surviving bad days, <laughs> you know? Yes. And so there's a sense of, of hopefulness in that and a sense of uh, being positive about it. And at the same time, I want to not like, get drawn into the darkness um, so that it sweeps me away and consumes me. And I end up like I have at times in my life, it's been many years now, but I remember going through times where I literally was in a fetal position for two weeks and could not function. And, you know, I needed a little bit of biological help with that, but, and a little bit of medical attention with that. But I also know that I let my mind get away with, with it. And I let my mind, and again, I can't be prescriptive for anybody else, but, but I did let myself get away with just succumbing to the darkness. So one of the things that I know in getting through dark periods is I'm going to the gym tonight. I'm not going to do anything spectacular, but I have an appointment with my friend to meet him at the gym. And I'm not going to compromise that. I do think there are disciplines that we need to adhere to to get through. I also know that it's important to do what you and I are doing right now, which is to bring a level of acceptance and a conversation about it. We, I cannot go through darkness alone. You know, as we say to kids, don't be afraid of the dark. But we also hold them while we say that. We don't just say, don't be, don't be afraid of the dark and then close the door and leave them to the darkness. This would be very destructive. And I know that many kids are left in the dark to deal with this alone. And I don't think that supports us. So there's a sense of compassion. There's also a sense of determined resolve to walk, keep walking through it and to have certain disciplines in our life to keep our minds strong. So those are some of the immediate thoughts that I have to get through some of the darkness in our life. We also have a world where we don't accept that darkness. And so we feel like we have to get out of it. And so we often will reach for something outside of ourselves as a way of grasping that can become addictive, food, alcohol, um, busyness, work, relationships, we just find something, drugs, that we look for something outside to solve it. And then we end up crashing because inevitably there's nothing really in the world that's going to fix this because it's not something to be fixed. It's something to be embraced. It's something to be accepted. And it's actually something to be learned from because in my quiet times, what I've discovered through this darkness just in the last week is that my work has drifted from my authentic self and I've become too focused on what my clients want and I haven't been listening enough to my heart and 
depressive thoughts will always surface and darkness will always surround me when I misalign. So it's actually my soul's way of communicating to me, Dave, you need to come back to yourself and back to your heart. So those are some of my thoughts about getting through the darkness. And I think it's it's tricky when you're in these darkness because you know when think when you're not in a period of darkness you think you're good and you don't need to take care of yourself and you're like you know i don't i don't need to make that appointment with my therapist i'm good or i don't need to i can go off my medication no problem or you know i don't i don't need to to take care of myself when the moments are good but when the moments are bad it's really easy to to say, well, I, I can't, I don't have time to get that right now. I, I I can't do that right now. Like I'm, you know, like it's, it's a lot easier to say that you don't need it. Right. So it's finding ways of, and I think that's where you're talking about with, in terms of the discipline too, it, it's finding things that are, are non-negotiable for you consistently throughout the entire year, right. That you can't compromise on so that when those periods of darkness come, that you have those other things to rely on, to fall back on. And when things are good, you know, you can continue to, to you can work out harder than you would, you know, on the days that are dark, right? Or, you know, you can, you can have bigger goals and aspirations and work to achieve them and you have more energy, but then you can also at the same time, you know, have more compassion with yourself when, when you're going through these periods of darkness, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And there are some, I love that notion of non-negotiable yeah. because I have learned um, a few things that are non-negotiable when I go through darkness. Um, first of all, I let go of some expectations, but I don't let go of some disciplines. Mm -hmm. And so that some of the disciplines are to reach out um, and to stay connected to people. One of the disciplines, you know, to be accountable. You and I have a have an agreement this afternoon that we're gonna we're gonna meet. And you know, there was some thoughts. I don't really feel like doing this, but it doesn't really matter. I've trained my mind to not uh put the put the mind in the driver's seat because it's not always trustworthy it'll tell me thoughts that aren't necessarily good for me so i've learned no i'm going to show up i may not be spectacular uh this afternoon in this in this conversation but i'm going to show up my meditation in the morning my quiet time yeah. i won't compromise that to just to get up and let myself sit in a chair or on my cushion and just rest my mind and just allow myself to have some quiet time. And I and I really do feel and and dad taught me this. My your grandfather taught me that you know he dealt with really severe depression. He was hospitalized on several occasions and he learned to communicate with his depression when it came up. And he would sit and write to his depression and then his depression would write back. He would be his depression and write back and he would dialogue and there's we we had uh just many, many volumes of his journal writing. And it was very dark, but it was his way of learning. And I and I do, and I, I have developed that habit um, of of listening to what what is the depression really saying? And I do find that if I don't expect myself to get out of it, that I allow myself not to succumb to it, but not also to suppress it, but to just gently be with it with acceptance and compassion, without judgment, that it actually has something to teach me. And it it won't kill me. I, I have to keep reminding myself of that. 
And you know, as what we're doing here today is is just bringing this out into the light. As we say, you you know you know about high school, but what we learned in high school biology is you know sunlight is the best disinfectant, and it's bringing it out into the light of acceptance to say I don't need to be any different than I am today, but I'm going to respect myself that I have some structure to walk through it gracefully. And I think you know it's it's thinking about mental health and wellness the same way we already think about physical health and wellness and these moments of darkness are almost like an injury right at where it's where and how we take care of a physical injury what do we do we we reach out and ask a doctor if it gets to that point we tell people we communicate with people hey i can't do this today i hurt my back i need to sit this one out or hey you know what i'm not gonna you know be in my best today i'm gonna take this one out or hey you know what i actually can't go out on on this important thing i hurt my back i just need to sit back and rest it right and it, it's communicating it's it's accessing professionals when you need it and it's having patience and kindness with yourself because you know like if i were to injure my my knee I'm not going to go and run on it. I'm going to rest so that later on when it is better, I can go and run on it. Um, but I think there is still, and I, I know it is significantly better, especially as I look at these younger generations compared to the older ones, it is significantly better. We are better at, sorry, we are collectively better at, at talking about this, but I think there's still this disconnect about physical health and wellness and mental health and wellness. Cause we are like, like we, you know, we, we've talked about before on this podcast, we are one organic being, right? We are not two separate things of mind and body, right? So I think it's treating these moments of darkness the same way we would with a physical injury, the same way we would with an illness, like a, a, the flu or a cold. You take moments, you you relax expectations, you do the best you can, you know, you be kind to yourself, you reach out for help when needed. And, you know, you, you know, you, 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 re you recognize that this too shall pass and come as you are, you know? 100%. And we, we really want to get the message out there that you're not alone. Yeah. And if you want to reach out to either of us, you can contact us that, uh, you know, and, and uh, it's a, it's a difficult topic, but you and I had a mutual friend who took his own life. What, how, how long has it been now? Is it 10 years yet, Haley? Just about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh you know, we just don't know. I, you know, read about the uh, New York Times uh, journalist who took his own life this last week. And we just don't know what goes on in the life of someone. And, and uh, our message here is to make sure that we know that we're not alone, that uh, it's, it's, it's when we suffer and we feel not at peace with the suffering that I think really uh, drills down a pain that it's there there's a pain that comes from the darkness but then there's the pain that comes from aloneness in the darkness and uh let you know part of our mission here is to shine a light on that and to build community and to build some conversation uh human connection with each other through compassion and sometimes too what that human connection can look like just you know in my own reading it can mean anything from reaching out to a friend for coffee. It can mean uh, sending a text to somebody and saying, hey, you know what? You don't need to respond to this right now. I just wanted to let you know that I'm thinking about you, right? Uh, or you're really important to me. Uh, it can mean, you know, spending time with your family, spending time with your spouse, uh, watching a movie, reaching out, having a wonder. I've had a couple wonderful phone calls over the Christmas break, just catching up with people. 
Um, it, it's just that that reconnection. And I've been doing a lot of reading about why it is that you know loneliness and isolation and solitude um, in a lot of countries has become they're treating it as a global illness or a, as a national illness. Um, and there's a lot of theories as to why, um, but a big one is that we don't have many third places, they call it middle places. We have our home, we have our work, but there's not much in between. Um, and so it's finding ways where you can cultivate these in between places where you can meet friends for coffee. You can go to the movie theater, you can go for a walk outside of your house, right? But finding these moments in between to be able to cultivate a community so that you feel less alone. Um, and that can have in monumentous uh, impacts for your mental and physical health too. Um, but finding those ways to, to reach out and, and connect, not even necessarily if you're not ready to, to talk about your, your darkness or to be vulnerable with, with a friend or a contact, it's just reaching out and, and caring about somebody because you never know what you're doing for them too. 100%. It's interesting. I, I had a friend call me right after lunch today and he's, he himself has struggled with depression and and uh, he was sharing with me some of that darkness. And I looked at my watch and I thought, you know, I've got, I got writing to do. I've got projects to do. I don't have time to sit and listen. But I made a decision. And there's been times that I, I would say, no, I'd, or I wouldn't pick up the, I wouldn't answer the phone because I know it's not a short conversation when he calls. And I said, no, I'm going to make a decision here to be present. Because one of the things we were talking about is mindfulness and being present to what was going on in our lives. And taking that, it wasn't long. It was probably, I don't know, 15, 20 minute phone call. But just taking that call actually led to being more, more focused, more clear, um, more, I, I, I won't even say productive, but it actually brought some clarity into my work in the afternoon when I just stop and make room for people. And I think that's what is so missing. And I, I know in my world, when I get so busy uh, and, you know, even the holiday season can be so hectic with, with appointments and schedules and, and obligations that we just need to slow down and pay attention to ourselves, to our inner life and pay attention to the people around us. And we don't have, there's no fixing here. There's no straightening anybody out. It's just a matter of being present with people and holding a space where people can feel safe to be who they are. And I, I remember, I don't even remember, this might've been something from mom. I forget where I heard this from, or maybe mom passed it on to me. Um, make somebody useful or feel useful and happy. Ask them from, ask them for help. Right. And so, and what that will do is, you know, by reaching out and saying, Hey, I, uh, I would love to take my mind off of something right now. You know, like even if you yourself might not need it, they might need it too, right? To be able to, to because it, it can really help to feel, and there's so many psychological studies on this. Um, we can post some if people are interested, but uh, about the merits of um, giving to a community um, and, and what that can do for your own mental health, about the idea about giving to other people. Uh, within you know with with what what you're able to do right um but that idea of service and and then in turn gratitude as well uh what that can do for for you know these little rituals for helping you with your mental health i know it it's it's very useful to give back mm -hmm. i i'm i said i've just been appointed to a board called wayfinders and they're a board that creates a community for people for for um, law enforcement 
officers and and uh, military who have gone through traumatic stress mm. and com- creating a community for them to feel a part of and it's beautiful and i and i uh you know there's a lot of transactional stuff that has to be done on the board to 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 sustain a nonprofit organization and to sustain the funding but underneath that all there's these relationships of people that have such good values and it's just it's just so invigorating to be a part of something that beyond our own self. So I, I also think that um, there's this expectation we're supposed to be happy all the time. Maybe we're not supposed to be happy. Maybe we're just supposed to be useful in the world and just in, not in huge ways, but how can I look out, look up and look out around me and find yeah. ways of being of service? And it does lift some of that darkness when I try to shine a light somewhere else, except on my, except on myself. Mm-hmm. And I think it it helps, if nothing else, to distract, right? Not escape, but distract, right? I think there are many tools of coping with mental illness that, like we'd mentioned at the early at the beginning of the episode, that are are focused on escapism and not dealing with it. But I think that can be a really helpful distraction, at least momentarily, right? From from inner turmoil of what you're going through. But it can it can it can it can help. It can be a strategy. You know, absolutely. I'm just trying to see. Well, my I... dear daughter, it's been lovely to have this conversation. I hope that we have raised something up. You know, it's not the most positive topic, but it's uh, mm-hmm. it's real for for both of us. And mm-hmm. I just appreciate us being able to hold the space for each other to have this uh, most lovely conversation. I completely agree. Um, I was just just a, as a parting message. Uh, this, this, I just, I just saw this uh, online. So this is a, just a tweet from online, but it says, I wish there was a word for, I love you, my spectacular, beautiful friend. Unfortunately, I'm so exhausted that I don't have the energy to communicate, but I want to indicate that although we've not spoken some time, my love for you is undying and I am your eternal supporter. Uh, and just what a beautiful message that would be to send out, um, you know, to somebody you haven't talked to in a little while and, and uh, to reconnect. So perhaps, you know, the way, the way out is through and the way through is through connections and controlling what you can and, and finding discipline and rituals where you can and having some compassion for yourself that this too shall pass and to come as you are, but that you can't force yourself to feel any other way than how you're feeling right in this moment. What a beautiful way to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Marvelous. Thanks. What are you grateful for, Dad? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm always grateful for these conversations. I'm grateful that I have work that brings me such a level of deep satisfaction and an opportunity to make it make an impact in in people's lives in in my to do my part to bring a light to this uh rather darkened place at times. Yeah. What are you grateful for? The great answer. Uh I am grateful for um, well, we kept up some of our Christmas lights because I think that was really important. Not all of them, not the really festive ones, but just that idea of feeling coziness. Um, and also I've been doing a lot of research on different ways that Nordic populations find coziness in this time of year. Um, and so it, it comes from, you know, Scandinavian and Norwegian um, uh, traditions. Um, but just finding little ways of uh, hygge is the word, and I'm totally butchering the pronunciation, I'm sure. Um, but it's finding little ways of finding coziness when it's cold outside and it's really dark. 
Uh, and so some of the things they suggest, lighting candles, finding soft lighting, big, cozy, warm blankets, comfort foods, uh, gentle movements of your body, stretching, uh, spending time with loved ones, cooking for loved ones, sharing food with loved ones, uh, warm drinks, um, a lot of these things actually that are part of Christmas, um, but carrying through a lot of those ideas through into January as well um, as, as means of, of, you know, getting through these dark, long, cold, lonely days <laughs> of January. Um, so I've been finding little, little ways to do that when it gets dark at four 30 in the afternoon and isn't dark until eight 30 in the morning or isn't light until eight 30 in the morning. <laughs> I love that. I love that finding ways that truly nurture us, not, not necessarily soothe us that aren't, that aren't healthy for us, that bring us down, but ways of, of of reminding us that there is light in there mm -hmm. exactly all right my dear well you take care the other thing i'm thankful for is that i was so grateful to see you over the holidays yeah that was pretty good too i like that too that was pretty good gotta love walking outside with the dogs and you know having another christmas to celebrate after christmas time because i flew out in in the new year so well, that was well you take good care until next time be real everybody <laughs>